0: Thanks for listening to The World We Deserve, the officially unofficial podcast for HBO's True Detective Anthology, brought to you by Bald Move. This conversation covers Season 2, Episode 3, titled Maybe Tomorrow.
1: The war was lost, the
0: treaty signed. I was not caught across the line. I was not caught, though many tried. i live among you, well-disguised. Ray survives the encounter in the bungalow thanks to his attacker using rubber bullets. Annie and Paul investigate Mayor Chisani's home, where they meet his son and his wife. And Frank finds out that Stan, another of his associates, has been killed. Alright, now that we're three episodes into this season, what are you thinking so far? It's been interesting because... La- you know, last season, every episode
1: at the end of it, I was just like, wow, I can't believe I just saw that. And like, I was just very <laughs> satisfied from an initial the way it hit me mm. this season. I've got I've had a lot of I'm not sure about what I just saw. I think about it for a couple of days. I watch it a few more times and I get more into it. Okay. but i totally am starting to understand the initial reviews of the season being lukewarm if i'm a critic and i watched 3 of these episodes and i'm i'm like wow they wow they killed colin farrell and then nope nope it's it's a fake out i feel like that that's i'm glad that we were prepared for that because you know we've yeah. gotten that kind of spoiled for us because i think it would have almost I, I don't know that I could have gotten through the first watch. I would have been so frustrated with the fact that that was such a cool
0: drama um, and just undone with the stroke of the writer's pen. Yeah, that's the thing. I didn't feel super comfortable with the way they just kind of said, eh, rubber bullets. Well, I, mean, I don't yeah, think it makes that's sense. it. It works, but like everything we said in the Cyclosphere segment
1: last week, I, I think is is still like I'm I'm putting this on like another two or three episode clock. Episode 6, 7, and 8, if some of these things aren't tied together or they never do address why the killer would leave him alive in a satisfying way, then it's going to
0: retroactively... Oh, yeah, there has to be a reason that there are rubber bullets loaded into that shotgun. Yeah. Yeah, if, yeah, yeah, And they need to tell us what that reason is. Yeah. I'm totally with you And like
1: there. said, there's, I said, I came yeah. up, I think we came up with, like, two different theories that would have made total sense, would yeah. be awesome, I'm sure there's others. But they do need to... It's not retroactively... I'm I'm actually putting hitting the snooze button on my disappointment yeah. Yeah, until yeah. I until I see if that that works out or not. But <laughs> um there's a lot of stuff that I really liked in this episode. I and mm-hmm. I I continue to not understand why a lot of people were shaky on Vince Vaughn because I think he's doing really really great work. I think that I do too, yeah. Rachel McAdams is doing phenomenal work. Yeah. I mean this was Regina from Mean Girls for Christ's sake. <laughs> yeah
0: she has some range her range is
1: is pretty pretty impressive and even the paul guy uh
0: i'm finding his story kind of interesting too yeah he's starting to ramp up you know there wasn't much focus on him in the first couple of episodes we get a little bit more this episode i'm i'm kind of digging the the murder mystery too Uh like it's it all seems to be revolving around either casper or frank in a way that i think is really interesting and it's, to the extent that it revolves around Frank, I don't think he understands why. Yes.
1: That's interesting. It's like yeah. a, a metaphorical piano it's- has fallen out of the <laughs>
0: heavens onto him. He's like, why? How? Uh-huh. I, my pinnacle of triumph. It's
1: do you Yeah, think- and I like
0: how he's, last episode, asking this guy, oh, what could you possibly have done? Who did you piss off to, to have this happen to you? And now he's kind of asking the same question, of, right? Of the universe. But he doesn't know the answer. Right. The other guy did. He doesn't. Do you think that... Is it more
1: likely that Frank is an innocent bystander. Well, I mean, we know he's not innocent. Of course. And not a bystander. Uh But for a gangster, (laughs) he's an innocent bystander that got mixed up in something way bigger than him. And he was just, you know, in it for the money, in it for the real estate. And he got sucked in as kind of a collateral damage. Or do you think that this is actually going to turn out to be some kind of sin from his past?
0: Possibly the guy he had Velcro kill and told him that it was... Oh, like, you know, you so, go back to the frame. It was up, the guy who charged. raped his wife. Yeah. yeah. Potentially. I don't know. But it seems like this episode tied it a little more closely to Frank with the murder of the Stan guy. I think his name's Stan. Yeah. One of his associates. Yeah, that's right. Because that's Stan. It seems like he's a nobody. Either that or he was working directly with Casper or. I mean, there's still possibilities where maybe Frank isn't the center of this, but yeah. right now it feels like Frank is getting more and more wrapped up in it. And Blake, his assistant, oh man. there's something going on you with don't, him. He comes into that office and he's winded. He's just like, he's breathing heavy, his tie's undone, he's yeah. like, oh my god, I'm, I'm disheveled here. Like he had just, I don't know, murdered someone.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's kind of amazing that Frank is not more openly suspicious of him. Yeah. I and mean, this is the guy that is beating down some of his former henchmen this episode. And Blake, you know, he goes from, Hi, what am I fucking teenage girl to Stan? Oh my God. Let's check out Stan. Like yeah. Stan was a shiny ball that completely distracted him from Blake's, uh, not being the second in command that I guess he's been for, for most
0: of their relationship. Yeah. I wonder if that's just a matter of like, he trusts him too much, you know, mm. He trusts him to not do something like this, so when he does, he's not going to think it's him. The other thing
1: i got to say, which has taken me completely by surprise, is I have totally turned a corner on this credit sequence.
0: Okay, song and all? I Yes.
1: Oh, like wow. The fact all that right. they keep changing up the stanzas, and yeah. they seem like they are vaguely tied to the flavor of the plot. And, you know, True Detective's credit sequence was perfect for Louisiana and for the feel of those two leads, and I feel like this is much more L.A., and it's slicker, hmm. but also, you know, there's a lot of disturbing imagery to in, in there too. There's a lot of like people's faces dissolving into like skulls, and <laughs> um, yeah. you know the way they play with like whiting out their eyes and stuff. I I'm I thought it's something I was gonna I was gonna fast forward through every time, but now I'm watching it to find out what lyrics have changed, and also mm-hmm. just because I feel like I notice something new each week. Yeah, um, but no, yeah. I'm. I was pretty upset with the credits in the first episode, and now, like, I'm, I am I find that the song's
0: stuck in my head and that I'm paying a lot more attention <laughs> to. You know, I, I find that, too. The song is definitely stuck in my head. I still don't think I like it, though. Mm. It's one of those songs that's stuck in your head involuntarily. You don't like it as, like, I wouldn't jam to that on exactly. my headphones. Yeah.
1: Um, Whereas I think the other song was a was a much more successful song But if you judge it as a way to introduce a true detective season 2 set sure. in LA uh-huh. Around some kind of murder sex cult I think it does some A1 work
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm with you there
1: But yeah, it was more um, finding out stuff about uh, Paul especially Yeah Finding out stuff more. about Frank um, Finding out more about the relationship with him and his
0: wife And a lot of investigation this episode. A lot you know, of straight up they, police they work. They track down a lot of leads here, uh, most of which dead end in one way or another. What do you think of the intro, the opening uh, song for this? Uh, I felt like that I, it, it's like, man, did I just walk into an
1: American Horror Story thing? Because that's something that okay. they like to do. They like, you know, this is the guy that also wrote Glee. So especially last (laughs) season, there was a lot of, like, musical numbers that came out of nowhere. Like, Uh you know, full-on attention to detail, costume. And that's kind of what I felt like. I'm like, what the fuck? But then having that be the backdrop of this near-death fantasy of Ray's with his father, I thought was really
0: cool. Yeah, there's something otherworldly about just the stage there, too. Like this blue light with no background. Yep. Uh, this Conway Twitty, with yeah, manfro yeah, with uh, you know, rhinestoned out, sure, <laughs> to hell and back. It's, it's surreal certainly I, in this setting and I, I liked it. And especially the tied in with that was
1: what was playing on the radio so you can kind of you know that 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 happens if you're you fell asleep on the couch sure, and you're dreaming about something and you wake up and it's you know it's, it, you've incorporated something going on in the television in your dream. I mean I think we can all relate to that. And I also think it's useful from like where does the dream end and where does reality begin sort of thing. It also worked as comic relief which this show de- is yeah. anytime it can get some in like it, even with him yeah, like there's
0: none in this season is there? I even mean, him like crying <laughs> I pissed
1: myself like the realization is is, is That's really like his first funny. concern. Like yeah.
0: okay, I'm alive. Now what? Oh, yeah. I pissed myself. <laughs> Cuz in the
1: dream I have this giant sucking chest wound.
0: Yeah. Uh, but yeah, there's the What do you it, think Is that intended to fuck with the audience too? That chest wound in his dream? I don't think so
1: because you know, it had been spoiled for me that he was going to live. Me too. But yeah. I'm thinking that if I, I hadn't been spoiled to me and I'm seeing this thing and that just turned out to be his last moments before he died. I it's would a weird be, thing to start an episode with, right? Yeah, I would be like, "Come on, man!" But uh, no, I th- I thought that was great. Um, there seemed to be significance about the rubber buckshot that being a riot shell that like cops use. Yeah, I don't what do you think make that? as a civilian you can just buy that shit. Oh, I have no idea. Um, Maybe surplus stuff. I don't know. I mean, having said that, it probably is not that hard to get a hold of on the black market. So, but sure. The way Ray said it makes me think, you know, because you got to sometimes when you're looking at these shows, you got to think about not how the world really works, but how people think the world works. Like, for example, what Annie was calling soundproofing on the room—that is not soundproofing. No, that is no. sound attenuation. I mean, that's yeah, that's stuff you hang up that prevent It's acoustic echo. dampening. It's, is all it exactly is. which is not the same. But no. people see that, and the character says soundproofing, then uh. that's code for. I know it's not really soundproofing, but unless you're a studio engineer, you uh. probably are going to say, oh, yeah, soundproofing. But um, I think we're supposed to think that there is maybe police involvement, which wouldn't surprise me, honestly. The mm-hmm. um, Vinci Police Department is corrupt from like that was an open question in season one. But three episodes in it's it's corrupt and rotten to the core from the tippy top to the to the the, the very bottom.
0: Yeah. Uh, you know what scene I really like that I think a lot of people didn't? What's that? Is this doctor scene with Ray uh, where he, he goes in, you know, to get his his side bandaged up, his ribs, uh, mm-hmm. you know, fix as much as they can. Uh, and the doctor asks him, do you want to live? Sure. And I feel like that, that question coming from anyone else doesn't make Ray pause for a second. He he gives some, some quip about, you know, does it really fucking matter? Look at my life or something. Whereas with the doctor... The doctor knows what he's talking about. And when a doctor asks you if you really want to live Mm -hmm. after telling you all the things that are wrong with you, I think it makes you take pause and say, wow, okay, this is not a joke here. Yeah. This is something I need to consider.
1: Later, when he's talking to Frank, Frank notices he's conspicuously not drinking. And he goes, I I, I don't I'm angry and I don't want to take the edge off. I don't. (laughs) I, I think that maybe that you're seeing the attempt of him turning a new leaf. Yeah. Um. You know, and and I think also there's a lot of hints in this episode that it may be even if he does, it's too late. Sure, because the state investigation is is closing around him. There's already proceedings mm-hmm. to take his son away from him. Um, but yeah, him visiting his old man felt like someone trying to turn a corner or get some perspective. His visit with the doctor, just his general demeanor throughout this episode, he is uh, aware of his mortality, and maybe the fact that he doesn't want to die.
0: Yeah, maybe not. I don't know, I, That's you brought up another scene that I really love, which is the one with him and his ex-wife, mm. where I think, like, I'm glad he doesn't take the money. Uh, how much more of a shitbag can you be than taking, A, an amount of money that isn't going to get you very far, right? Like, that buys mm. you, what, a fake passport and enough gas to get right. to Mexico? Yeah, Ten like, grand <laughs> is not how you
1: buy off a, you know, a psycho
0: ex that's yeah. a police officer and beats people up for kicks, Exactly. Um. So not not a huge amount of money, and also unless he actually, really, just does not care about this kid, that is super offensive. And I'm glad that he takes it as such. You know, that shows that he does care at least a little bit mm. in his own kind of fucked up ways.
1: Yeah. I uh, I never understand. You know her her thought of like well I was just hoping that you would take this to to you know I I didn't think you would but I was hoping you would. I feel like that she was doing having much more success appealing to Ray's instincts of knowing how bad he is fucked up and how much he loves his son and how damaging his behavior is to his son. Like, that seemed to be paying dividends. Hmm. And also, she has the trump card. Like, I, you know, unless the twist is that Ray actually is this guy's father, this kid's father, mm-hmm. um, you know. If there's a parent, there's a I I don't know what the law is, especially in California, because they kind of think do things differently there. But it seems to me that like the we're supposed to get in the opinion that if the parental test comes back negative, then instantly Ray's got nothing. He's got no rights at all.
0: Yeah, it would seem like it.
1: So that is a big, you know, trump card to play over someone. And I'm not even normally that would drive, you know, like I I would have a big issue of a woman trying to take away a father's rights but i feel like that's not a bad call in this situation
0: yeah rays a shitbag he is through and through very
1: damaged and is is not good i mean this kid's got a lot of problems anyway his solutions you know though they might feel good and they might get you pumped you know maybe you, you pump your fist when you watch it that's not how you successfully lead a life
0: no no and he's doing you know, as much harm to this kid as he is helping, certainly. I mean, yeah. you know, the things that he does that are sweet and nice for this kid are all apologies for horrible shit that he's done to him. Yeah. And also, right? there's
1: there's also some a little bit of self, selfishness. Like when he's it, and it's it's all stuff that's in the background. Like, look at this kid. Do you think he loves making models of jet planes and cars? And Maybe he does. Maybe he doesn't. Yeah, maybe. But I think it's telling that he's like, yeah, I started putting these together with my kids and then, you know, I just kind of started doing it myself. Maybe that was something he liked to do, and his son never really liked it. And that was kind of a a, something that we're supposed to subliminally pick up is that Ray has a fundamentally selfish relationship with his son. Yeah, like it's all about like I need this kid to be my son because if it's any other way, I I can't handle. You know, we talked about that, sure. And I think that Mm -hmm. was a little bit of evidence towards maybe that fundamental selfishness of it. And I'm not saying he doesn't love his kid because I do think that is a incorrect reading as
0: well. But I yeah, don't know I, what he does. I don't he know. He does on some level. He, doesn't he just know, doesn't show it in the right way. He doesn't know what to do with that emotion. Yeah, yeah. Everything at the mayor's mansion. My God, it is amazing. <laughs> amazing in what way? I can tell there's a deeper meaning to amazing. Here. Like he, I mean, just he's living like a Godfather in Sicily. Okay. Mm-hmm. He's got this. He lives in Bel Air. I mean, yeah. No, he, he works in Vinci. Lives in Bel Air.
1: Yeah. And he just is, you know, you can just see the corruption and the, grit, the the graft and the greed just hung up on every wall just as easily as you can see his trophy wife cut out, leaning against his fireplace. Yeah. He's got a son that's throwing women off of balconies in the pools. While he smokes a bowl. Yeah. it's, well, it's <laughs> The first thing I thought of when we're going through his study, I'm like, what do you think George Bush and Bill Clinton think? When they see their pictures and they're like embracing this scumbag and, you know, it's like that must be it's like, wow, if it turns out this guy's like leading some kind of pedophile ring, that must sting a bit, doesn't it?
0: I yeah, when that gets found out, I would assume so. <laughs> Although, I mean, they've stood next to some pretty big dirt bags. That's what I'm in history.
1: Like they both like. I think any U.S. president has not got yeah. a, uh, a a particularly clean set of hands when it comes to glad handing <laughs> shit bags.
0: Absolutely, but normally those people aren't found out to be pedophiles. And right, running operators a, of sex rings and Illuminati based conspiracy yeah. <laughs> sex ring. Yeah, sure. It's more like genocide and things like that. Yeah,
1: or you know, ter- being terrible. <laughs> To the environment or all
0: all very bad things mm-hmm. uh, just different different breed of things um what is interesting because this catalyst stuff seems more and more that's
1: very much involved because now we found out that not only did they rent a uh, Lisa's car for him but they rented that that sex dungeon snuff room bungalow. Uh, yeah. And there was a lot of calls from that, especially one late 2 a.m. phone call from the bungalow to the mayor's private business line at his mansion.
0: Yeah, and we see the plans on the mayor's desk, which lead us to believe that he's also involved in it. Yes. Um, we, we kind of already know that. But so, but, but not, he's involved in maybe
1: taking down Ray? Or, I'm not not, not Frank. Not Frank uh, yeah, Frank. Hmm. Also, what did you make Could of be. Andrea from Breaking Bad? Uh, being in that one scene—that's his daughter, right? At the the little desk. Yeah, there? yeah, yeah. I did not even recognize. She's from her. you know. She's on the bridge. She's on wow. Breaking Bad. Um, hm. I'm glad to see her working again, but I thought that's a big name face for a 15 second scene.
0: Yeah, and why even show that scene if it's not somewhat important? Mm-hmm. And uh, this
1: guy's a party organizer. Like, well, he looks like he's yeah. a, he's, he looks like he's the alternate cast member for the Jersey Shore.
0: You know, I. He talks like I Al Pacino wonder. on Scarface. I wonder what kind of parties he's talking about. Well. What kind of events? Special events. You know, Bohemian Grove type? That's what I'm thinking. Special like, Does he help his dad out with the. Are there uh, animal the, masks involved? Or are there uh-huh. rubber bullets involved? That's what I'm wondering. If, Private. He, if he knows specifically about this bungalow.
1: Mm-hmm. What did you think of Frank's meeting with the construction worker? I thought that, like, last week, the way vince vaughn's kind of menace um with kind of like, hey buddy why would something like that happen to you like i thought that worked really well and it was kind of in his lane i actually really bought him beating the shit out of the fuck you teeth guy yeah something about the way he was working this construction worker didn't seem it's like one of those uh, sesame street one of these things doesn't belong i didn't particularly like that that seemed he was trying to be uh you know, a Robert De Niro type. And he's not that kind of (laughs) minute. Like, you know, how's, how's your wife and kids doing? You enjoy those school? This is those kind of
0: overt threats. Yeah. I don't know. There's something about that didn't sit right with me. Well, it's a, it's an interesting relationship that I picked up from them because apparently it has been a while since this guy has owed Frank anything. Uh, And Frank has moved on as he says, you know? So for him to show back up, Maybe Frank is thinking, well, this says a little bit about the situation I'm in, Mm. because why would I show back up at this guy's place? I'm going to do it Mm -hmm. because I need to. I got to pay the mayor his due. Uh, But but there's there's a weird tinge to that whole scene. And I think that's it. Is it supposed
1: to be a contrast? Because, you know, Frank has gone legit now. He hasn't done Mm -hmm. like criminal things for a while. Okay. now we see him spinning up his civilian side of the, you know, it's, it's essentially protection racket and and, uh, you know, union busting and all that kind of stuff. And then you see the criminal side where he gets his old lieutenants back together and essentially says, I'm back to being a boss. And they each give him guff in their own way. Is this supposed to be like a mirror
0: of that? Hmm. Could be, but Could I be. That, just a again, reflection of how long he's been out of it. And yeah, how, just how people don't view him in ne- the same way anymore. He's, he's so desperate. He's getting back into the life. Yeah, uh, no, I think I think that's nail in the head there. He is desperate and he does need to resort to these things. Yeah. But yeah, you're right, he's just not that person at the moment. Yeah. But now he's trying to fall back into it. And I wonder how far he'll fall back into that. You know, he's got he's got a lot of money to recover. I mean, his life's work was built on the back of that stuff. He lost it. Now how does he get it back?
1: Uh speaking of Robert De Niro uh, what do you think of the, the the mayor slowly turning into Robert De Niro by <laughs> the end of that? You know, he's just full on. Yeah, I want screaming. That, I want her badge. I want to walk in the plank. I want to come. I mean, do you think he really has that kind of pull?
0: Uh, I don't know. Maybe within that town. That's the thing. But ev- and I but think everyone... How far does do his tendrils reach? I don't I know. interpret
1: everybody's looks as like maybe he's biting off more than he can chew. Yeah, could be. But could do be. you think that, you know, the other angle here with Frank is, you know, talk about the mayor working against him. Uh, how involved is this uh, OSIP guy?
0: Is he involved with the mayor? It's a really good question. I, I think, you know, seeing another scene of him in this episode is supposed to make us... Question that. Um, well, especially once when again, you know? they
1: in universe ask a character his opinion, and he said he reminds me of a uh, anaconda crossed with the great white. Oh shark. my god! What
0: worst line <laughs> in maybe this series so far? Oh wow! God, that like was it, terrible. Huh? No, who okay. says that? Who says that? Half anaconda, half great white.
1: <laughs> uh, a sci-fi executive when he's pitching the yes, fall lineup. They, they do,
0: <laughs> <laughs> and they're just throwing out charconda. <laughs> Uh yeah no that that'll and it's yeah gonna... it would shock me if osip wasn't involved he's the guy with all the connections right he's the guy who knows what's going on
1: yeah and it kind of some of those looks he was giving frank in the first episode where he was like hey you know we'll just see what happens when casper shows up big shark tooth grin mm-hmm. makes me think that he is involved and especially when frank openly asked the question and I think we're supposed to think that he's involved which makes me think he's probably not. I mean that's <laughs> okay, that's the, the double thing, thing that, about it's yeah. starting to annoy me with this sh- not and this is not about the show this is about the way I work with these shows is that mm-hmm. I feel like I'm trying to figure this out and I'm also trying to interpret it interpret the contra case and then like split the middle and that's it's like man it's it's kind of exhausting as a way it's like okay well this is what I'm being told but maybe that's what I'm, he's he's wanting me to think. Because really, this is happening.
0: Well, it's, that, it's partially that internet cred thing, right? When you do a podcast, you don't want to be just way, way off the mark right. with your firm, solid predictions. But
1: sometimes that leads you further off the mark than, than anything. That's true, yeah. You know, when you're trying to, you know, come up with the most out there or clever theory, you get way off into the weeds. It's true. But like, you know, it's just, it, it's, it's weird having this relationship with the piece of media where you're always skeptical of what it's telling you.
0: Yeah. But that's the nature of the beast, right? Definitely. Uh, Let's talk about their other lead, which is this film set. Mm. Uh, We find out that the car that was used to drop Casper's body, transport him out onto the highway, was from the transportation company that runs this movie operation, that works on this movie. Yeah. Um, And they go over there, and they start talking to the director, they start talking to uh, the set photographer, and they kind of... They don't come up with a lot. You know, the, the director is basically like, yeah, I don't know. Went to a couple of parties sometimes. There were girls there. Mm-hmm.
1: What a lot of people are interpreted this as a dig on uh, Fukunaga.
0: Oh, my God. This guy okay. with the ponytail. Yeah, tail. yeah. But the thing
1: is, like, uh-huh. I didn't think, when I first saw this episode, I'm like, okay. As I was, I don't know if you can tell, but I'm a little put off by Pizzolato's ego and you know from what and and just kind of freezing the the fact that these guys made something amazing last year and instead of coming together and collaborating yeah I'm not saying that 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 Corey had to direct everything um but instead of doing that that Nick went and ran the complete opposite direction and makes everyone aware of the fact that this is my fucking show Yeah, yeah that kind of put me off and I was fully prepared to be like when I see this if this is an obvious parody a Fukunaga and he's using him to put him down on his own show. I'm going to have a problem with that. And I saw it. I'm like, I don't get it. Like if this is supposed to make me, if this was supposed to be a dig at Fukunaga, this is the most
0: subtle bullshit dig I can possibly think of because there's no dig there unless like Fukunaga is an alcoholic or something <laughs> there.
1: So I think if you, the way I think we're supposed to interpret this is the, um, One of the ex- a director's assistants is talking about how he had to give Casper an executive producer credit because uh-huh. that's how that's that's the only way you can get things done out here. Like, you have to give meaningless credits out to people to grease get the wheels. Tax incentives but, to make it profitable. Sure. Which that could be a dig at Fukunaga because he's a credited executive producer, even though he does nothing on the show at this point. Is it also a
0: dig at Matthew McConaughey That's what I'm saying. It's, it, it's just and, as big a
1: dig at those two guys. Yeah. And then, like, I, they're, they're talking
0: about working on a shit movie, but. But the, then he's calling his own show shit? I mean, that's what I'm what saying. Are you, what are you saying here, man, like, if that's in fact a dig? In Which fact, leads me to believe it isn't.
1: In fact, like, when we're talking about the preseason, it's like the only way I could be cool with this if, if this beef is something that Pizzolato and Fukunaga have kind of like privately joke about. Uh Like, if you and I would get on uh, conspicuous on-air spats just to rile people up. Yeah. yeah. And, like, what would be the funniest thing we could do? (laughs) But even then, it's kind of a failure as that. Like, if I was going to do a Fukunaga dig, I'd put him in a top bun. I'd put him in, like, these those weird spectacles he wears. I would go all the way with it. I wouldn't have a guy that looks like Steven Seagal (laughs) with a little bit of a ponytail that seems like Uh a competent guy who's not a massive douchebag. He's not... I. Yeah, I felt like that was all overblown. I think you're right. I'm with you there. And uh, but, but yet all the critics are like, Yo, oh, oh, major shade thrown on Fukunaga. Like, OK, OK. I, I, it didn't feel conclusive to me, but maybe maybe I'm not inside ball enough. Like if I was maybe, a yeah. professional critic and I, I rubbed shoulders with the executive producers and I knew how the system worked, maybe that's more of a a blatant dig. But as a just casual viewer and a fan Mm -hmm. of the show and a podcaster, I didn't get it. Which might be the best kind of dig.
0: meets up with an old war buddy and responds violently when he brings up some things that happen between them overseas. He continues investigating prostitutes, which leads him to Danny Santos' club. Meanwhile, Annie and Ray track down the car that was used to carry Casper's body, but it's set on fire by a masked figure before they can examine it. They give chase, and not only are they unable to keep up, but Ray has to pull Annie out of the way of a speeding truck to save her life. Uh, let's talk about the car. Because okay. the car is the other thing that they follow up. You know, they go and they talk to the guy who was the driver. I guess um, mm-hmm. wh- one of the drivers, or specifically the driver of that car. I'd, he was the one I of the injured
1: ribs, or, or he or he had a hernia. He,
0: yeah, yeah. He had a. I don't know. He's wearing a, a support belt, right? Um, for a lumbar injury. But The or car something. was stolen. Yeah, yeah. And then it's set on fire right next to his house. I'm like around the block. I'm uh-huh. wondering. Is that to frame this guy? Is that what's going on here? No, I
1: think it's it's the guy come back to make sure that there is no evidence. Like he tore. Yeah, yeah,
0: but why why park this car there next to this guy's house? Uh, Yeah, and and
1: there I had a little bit of problem with that. You know, my big bugaboo is inexplicable coincidences. For whatever reason, the killer borrowed the car to transport Casper, dropped him off, went and parked it back outside the guy's home. Yeah. And then came back several days later while the cops were at the uh, uh, place investigating and set the thing on fire. Unless this is going to tie back in with the crow or the raven using rubber bullets. This is another kind of, you know, punch to the cop's face, not a knife to the guts to get them further intrigued in the case. But like, my God. They're about, I mean, they're all pretty hot for solving it, except for Ray. Seems like it. So, I, it's it's weird. I, I, I'm i not sure what to think of it. What do you think of it?
0: I, it clearly seems like another tailored message. I mean, I, that's what I'm getting from this killer, right? Everything seems to be a message. Who it's to, whether the cops or to Frank, I'm not exactly certain. But it seems clear that, to me, that this guy was probably following Ray hmm. after like whoever the killer is, whoever this this guy or a girl in a mask is, uh, they probably were following Ray. I mean, why come back at that exact moment to burn this car unless you yeah. realize they're on to me? I need to go torch some evidence. Yeah, could he could be being followed at this point? Yeah. Well, and we know
1: like Paul's being followed by Ray's assistant. Yeah, Dixon. Dixon. Dixon.
0: He will smoke out your sexuality in a second, man. He will take pictures of it. He lives for nothing more than that.
1: Apparently so. Like, they're... It it, it feels like... So that's a Vinci thing, right? They've got leverage on one of our guys because Annie clearly knows and State is hot about taking him down to the extent that they're suggesting she use her sexuality, which... Am I crazy to see some chemistry between them? Between... Ray and Annie. Oh, Ray and Annie. I mean, it's not like, you know... Oh, my God, hot. But I, I'm i talking about they do have a little, a little personal chemistry, and she seems to yeah, be I'll buy that. You know, starting to feel sorry for him uh-huh. rather than just kind of being in content with him, which was, I think, her default position on him.
0: Yeah, it's telling when you know she's asked what she's got on him, and uh, she doesn't say anything like, oh, I think he's dirty or anything like that, especially right. after he saves her life. Yeah, uh, That's the other thing, man. I, I don't know how many people out there have ever had broken ribs. I have. <laughs> that is a yeah. debilitating injury. You yeah. do not sprint with broken ribs i'm sorry well imagine if you fell
1: down like you tackled someone (laughs) to the ground and then fell on i think that was awesome
0: but like afterward he's breathing real heavy you don't breathe heavy with with broken ribs and if you do you're in severe pain yeah well i I feel like he sold all that like when he's like christ my ribs
1: like that seems (laughs) a very grown ass man way of dealing with severe pain yeah i just don't think he could have kept up with it. you don't think so no no, 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 but he's jacked with adrenaline, like you you, you, you <laughs> I broke you that, broke yeah. you you broke your ribs and someone's trying to kill you,,
0: uh-huh. you still think like i, I feel like I we, think it's debilitating to the point where you they could can fight catch through you. it,
1: yeah, Hmm, interesting, I bet someone's going to send us a clip of a boxer
0: winning a twelve round fight, okay. with, with ribs broken in a six round or something like that. Here's the difference between that uh-huh. boxer, peak mental and physical condition, <laughs> and focus, right, Ray Velcoro... <laughs> What would you describe him as? Not peak, Peaked, peak anything. Peak scur- cirrhosis of the liver. <laughs> uh. <laughs> exactly. Like Carrie Strug p- vaulting with her broken foot. Whatever. Okay. That happens because she is. You're the saying Ray Valcore is not a a, a <laughs> athlete. I, I I would not call him that.
1: <laughs> He's no. not a pinnacle of, of physical perfection. Not in my opinion. All right, man. All right. <laughs> kind of going off off script on me, but whatever. Uh, did you think that? The I mean, there I don't know. There's a lot of stuff. A lot of shady characters coming in and out, like, for example, there is a pretty major focus on the set photographer. Yeah. Taking pictures of really pretty girls on the sidelines. Sure. You got to ask why is that is he part of this thing mm-hmm. we saw Casper's new assistant and she's looking for tax forms and stuff, implying that. And we knew that Casper wasn't the man on top, but mm-hmm. taking out Casper doesn't seem like it's essentially handicapped any of Vinci's city business. There's a lot of stuff that I'm, you know, it's, yeah. there's nothing there yet, but I feel like they're showing it and we're supposed to notice it.
0: Oh, another thing Did they you, introduced around Casper, hmm. th- his company called Porpoise LLC. Yeah. Keep an eye out for that. I don't know if it's going to come back or not, but okay, it's another name. Did you notice that there we have a date time mismatch now? Date? No. So the deed on –
1: or uh, the, the court papers that uh, Ray was presented, or maybe were there the deeds that, that Frank was presented in episode one, in a newspaper that Frank's assistant, Blake, uh, his was right-hand man, show him clearly match or clearly showed the date it would be in October 2015. Yeah. When Annie was showing the um, traffic cam footage of the Cadillac pulling in with Casper – at one o'clock in the morning, the date was like October 27th, 2014. Then also. really, Yeah. Also, when we see Paul working the prosts, um, there is a conspicuous American sniper um, billboard in the background, oh, hmm. which would make sense for the 2014 time period. Mm-hmm. It'd be almost anachronistic to have it. Featured in Hollywood right now. Thematically it fits because I feel like they're going some kind of wounded soldier type of deal with him. Oh, yeah. Um, Some 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 kind of psychically affected guy. Did they just fuck up? Did set the part? Is this another spiral graph devil drawing that wasn't supposed to be there? It's like, oh, I mean, how do you mess up the date? Yeah. Or is this supposed to somehow subliminally make us uneasy about the situation? It's it's an intentional choice to, to throw us off balance?
0: Man, I don't know. Because if you have a, a work of fiction that is set in a particular date, that should be the focus of a I, lot of things. I mean, right? it's, I, it's not important. Certainly. It's not, it doesn't ruin my enjoyment of the
1: series. No, no, no. But it is weird. And like, yeah. you know, I don't know if it's intentional or unintentional. If it's unintentional, then it kind of calls into doubt how you know a lot of people are like, oh the show is such genius, it's got so many layers and so much attention to detail. Well, okay.
0: Sure. That's yeah. what I said about season one. Like I don't think there's yeah. as much there there as people wanted there to be. Yeah. Uh but yeah, I, so now that we have multiple examples of twenty fourteen and only one of twenty fifteen, do we say it's twenty fourteen?
1: I don't know. I will um put up these images on the psychos you know, the supporting psychosphere segment in the um, show notes so you can okay. see for yourself the newspaper versus the the traffic cam stuff.
0: You brought up Paul. Let's start talking about Paul a little bit. Yeah. Paul's uh got a lot more screen time this episode and I feel like his character is starting to develop a lot more. Um we find out that there was um potentially some relationship that he had with his buddy in the military uh back when they were stationed overseas.
1: Yeah, it looks like he was gay for the stay for the stay. Yeah, over in Afghanistan or whatever. <laughs>
0: okay. Is that a term? Is that a
1: popular term? Like if
0: you're in prison, you know. You're not gay. You're just getting down on your buddy. Ah, got temporarily. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um yeah, so it seems like that's confirmed now, right? We suspected it last episode. This sure. guy continues to think about it. Paul wants to not think about it.
1: Right, and they, they, I feel like they are leading us down the path of, like, the male prostitute when he says, you, you you, have sex with girls, too? He's like, yeah, for the right situation with the right medication, which is exactly mm-hmm. what we saw with episode one of Paul taking boner pills to get down on his lady. Sure. Um, there is a significant kind of almost longing glance at the Cupid-given head in the park. So, and yeah. maybe maybe
0: there's something with Black Mountain as well, you know? Something <laughs> like put in the water to made him gay? No, no, no. Saltpeter. No. Peter. Is that no, Salt Peter, goddammit? Not what I'm saying at all. Okay. Um, but I'm talking about his psychological damage. Maybe it's not just his repressed sexuality. Maybe it's also sure. other things that have scarred him mentally and emotionally, sure. uh, which might be included in Black Mountain. The other thing I noticed, and this is the second mention of the e-cigarette stuff, and I get it. You got a, a character who prominently smokes one or vapes one, whatever you want to call it. Uh-huh. Uh huh. It, uh, it's going to get in the faces of a lot of people. I I just wonder what Nick Pizzolatto is trying to say about that. It seems to be like that is
1: his biggest societal problem the fucking e Yeah, e-cig. Like,
0: I am overly concerned with people. I so I actually like e cigs, I think e cigs are a good thing. Agreed. Because they get people who smoke and are killing themselves doing it onto something else that is less addictive and also less harmful to your body.
1: Yeah, I'm not saying it's harmless, but sure. everything that I've ever seen says that it's exponentially less harmful than actually igniting a substance and taking burning material into your lungs.
0: That said, it is also this sweeping cultural phenomenon, especially in California, really, that people are extremely annoyed with. I get it, and I I do think that and it's partially the behavior, it's partially I kind think of the culture s- that
1: comes with it. Some vapors are obnoxious. They're like, I'm not smoking as you're sitting in a uh, restaurant, and they're blowing, blowing it in cl- your face, and clouds of Belgian oh, how do you, waffles or whatever. <laughs> how do you like, like cherries in your eyes. Yeah, like fuck off, man. If yeah. you're not supposed to smoke someplace, don't vape. Unless yeah. and like I, I goddamn, I know I'm going to get email on this, but I don't give a shit. It's just, do you want vaping banned everywhere? This is how you get vaping banned everywhere. Sure. So keep on. Keep on exerting your right <laughs> to liberty to fucking annoy people. Until it's taken it away from you. That's yeah. yeah, go on with that.
0: Yeah. Uh, so I don't have a problem with him, but it seems like maybe he does. It Calling d- him sucking a robot's d- dick. Yeah,
1: like he's aggressively making them uncool.
0: Yeah. But then Annie is so like, I don't give a fuck, that it's kind of also cool yeah. in a way.
1: Or maybe, I wonder if Mick Pizzolatto has started vaping and he's gotten a lot of yeah. sh- the face full of yeah. shit he's kind of showing like how pointless it is uh-huh like could be this you know it's like <laughs> two self-destructive dudes telling you that you you know you're doing something wrong like <laughs> what does that mean yeah um also thematically someone's on reddit mentioned that there could be a message of like people doing behaviors that are death seeking versus people that are trying to be more conscientious about avoiding high risk behavior. Like Annie's all about mitigating her risk. I am physically Mm -hmm. weaker than half the population. I'm going to arm myself to the teeth on the slight chance that I will, that, that that it will allow me to, to, to give me the fighting edge to live. Yeah. Um, But on the other hand, she's, we've seen her drink heroically as well. Hmm. So
0: that's bad for you. Sure. Yeah, but
1: I I could see that as like maybe a th- you know binge a theme. drinking every
0: once in a while is not such a terrible thing. No, no, no. Doing I, it all the time like Valcoro.
1: Sure. Um, I I think that there is maybe a little something to that where you've got risk adverse versus okay like almost suicidal risk takers like with yeah. Paul with his motorcycle, Ray with his everything mm-hmm. versus her. I think that might be a, a a decent foil for conflict between those characters. Before we go away from Paul, though. I want to talk about Frank and Paul literally running into each other at the Lux Infinitum. Yeah. That could have been explosive because both of those guys, it was a good day to whoop somebody's ass. Yep, uh, And they were both like thunderclouds. What significance was that long kind of stare down? Are they going to come into direct
0: physical conflict later? Maybe, or it could be a thing where now Paul's going to recognize the guy. Oh, you know what? I saw him over at this club. Mm. Let me go check that out uh, again. Maybe he's connected to some of this prostitution stuff.
1: I think maybe it's it's setting us up for like we're Ray is going to try to make a face turn in the next few episodes and really work with the detectives in an open and transparent way. And there, he's going to be seen with Frank later after they know that Frank is kind of dirty and okay. it's going to completely destroy his credibility with Annie and Paul at a critical moment.
0: Yeah, it could be. Yeah, Paul will recognize Frank and say, "Hey, you were with." Yeah, I saw you're with this one dude. of the what prime suspects.
1: What the hell? I thought yeah. you were on our side now. Yeah, I could see that huh. being a betrayal when, and, and it, actually not being one. It's just a mm-hmm. misunderstanding.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. When I say
1: it that way. It sounds like a rom com moment, you know. Sure. <laughs> uh, a couple things I wanted to talk about, rounding out Frank's character. Uh, did you buy Vince Vaughn as a as a pugilist? Is capable of beating down. Fuck you, teeth man. Uh,
0: more so than fuck you, teeth man. Yeah, like when you have sixty-eight percent body fat, don't pick a fight. I mean,
1: <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, fat dudes can brawl. Like yeah, they got, but they, they gotta got get the a weight. hold of you. And, yeah, and, true. and Vince
0: Vaughn. You know he calls him little. He call he's skinny. Yeah, he's faster.
1: Vince Vaughn does look fairly fit in this show. And yeah, he does have size. I mean, I guess I bought him being able to. And he his technique was really good. Like it wouldn't surprise me mm-hmm. to find that he was some golden gloves guy. Uh huh. Because like the way he was dodging that and coming around for the the kidneys, that
0: was uh I wouldn't see that on HBO boxing, you know? There yep. was some some good technique there. Sure. Uh I think the other guy's technique was terrible.
1: One last thing on Frank, his relationship with his wife. Mm-hmm. What do you think about what's going on with this? Because you know, I just kind of floated the idea that maybe she's involved with this, but she seemed yeah, like yeah. she was constantly trying to I mean, I, she wasn't taking his guff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I thought she had a couple moments of like, you know, suck your own dick and throwing a semen sample uh, cup in his face. Um, but she also seemed to be like trying to make up with him well it didn't seem to be she stated that she's trying to make up with him Mm -hmm. at the end of the episode and he didn't he turned her down so what does that tell us about the theory that maybe she is part of the person trying to break him, uh, uh, trying to bring him down
0: i feel like that that she she has some kind of relationship with osip and i don't know whether it's just like you know i'm the wife of the guy that you're trying to do this what deal do you mean with yes some she has some kind of relationship well there's like when he's talking to osip and osip leaves his office she and goes, goes down to the floor yeah he goes down there it and seems says like very old says world something and yeah yeah courtly kind of thing i mean there's that's why i say some kind of relationship mm. i i don't know what the nature of it is um but you know it's not like they don't talk at all it's mm. not like there's nothing happening between them so um, I what I felt like was this is a way to show the stressors on Frank or the mm-hmm. result of those stressors, like you know he he's complaining about it at the beginning, like yeah. I'd sit down and take a shit and it better be the perfect one, yeah, um, so I felt like this was just another way to reflect like how the stress is affecting him. do you think this is also
1: partially a response to the criticism that people leveled against him that he writes essentially angry man? misogynist material of like the you know we've seen with Sopranos and Breaking Bad etc where uh you know I think in a lot of shows you would have the wife being a complete bitch to him which I think her anger towards him is always has always so far been justified Mm -hmm. and even-handed she's pretty much gives as good as he gets and also I think that a more conventional male centered drama that we've seen in the last few years. Vince Vaughn beats a This guy as a catharsis, he comes home and power fucks his wife.
0: Sure. Leaves an avocado stain on the fridge. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So, and he, 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 you're waiting
1: for it, right? Yeah. She's there. She's waited up for him. He's coming in with the head of steam. Doesn't happen. Like, it's a different type of dynamic that we've seen. This is not hmm. The Sopranos. This isn't uh, Tony and uh, Carmela. This isn't Skyler and Walt. This isn't Don and Betty. This is yeah. its own thing, and, and it feels more real. And I don't know whether it's a conscious uh, hmm. effort to repudiate the stuff people were saying about him last year, or this is just you know his unique take on kind of this male-female relationship um, that's outside of a societal norm. But I like it. I think it's great.
0: I do too. It feels like they have real concerns and they're in a real relationship. Yeah, and they um, both
1: have their own power. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. They, they both respect each other in a way that uh, I don't know that you always see on TV. Sure. To the extent that, like
1: I said, I'm there's a couple theories that I think are kind of going the way of the dodo. I, I after this episode, I'm not really feeling the whole alternate rapist theory. I mean, something sure. about the way they were very specific about Ray taking vengeance on the man who attacked her and. The straightforward way i mean again if i'm playing you know like devil's advocate well maybe that's what they want us to think but you know the kids got red i mean maybe this is all just literally a red herring that that this is <laughs> you know uh-huh that, that 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 nothing to do with blake i mean
0: yeah i've never been, if anything I'm frank looks like blake he's got there. a
1: ginger fetish like ha- like uh, all of his henchmen have red hair
0: Have you noticed that? No, No.
1: Blake, the bearded dude that gives the Anaconda Python speech or Anaconda Great White speech, they all have red hair. So it's time time to, to huff the psychosphere. Uh I thought after I initially watched this episode there wouldn't be a ton of stuff. Yeah. But there is a lot. And in fact, there's this new new theory that's this that's starting to sprawl um on the, the dark places of the internet called the Dutrox affair, which is this multiple interconnected rings of and this is another conspiracy theorist type thing, um, which I'm open to this show considering because it seems like, as we're going to discuss this Bohemian Grove stuff, is right on. Mm-hmm. Um, but there, I'm, I'm going to post like one of the, the the main threads on Reddit in the Cyclosphere section. I didn't have time to understand it and research it enough uh, to actually be able to package it up on the internet. But it is like something very prominent. It Seems like it's it's another thing where it's based on real life stuff, a real life international pedophile ring. Um, And also there's some possible connections between the first season of True Detective and this season of True Detective, because it turns out Mm -hmm. that like in there's a conspiracy theory that says these two independent um, child exploitation rings that were in America and London are actually connected in like an Illuminati type of way, Mm -hmm. which I don't know. I mean. I've always been the opinion that I hope Nick doesn't come around and, like, tie all these things together into a neat little bow. But maybe he could do that in a satisfying way. Uh, Let's talk about this Bohemian Grove thing, because this thing exploded. Uh, Vanity Fair wrote a big piece on it. Um, I'm going to link that article in the Psychosphere, uh, linking the Bohemian Grove to the Guernville Society and the Polypanesian Pineapple Institute. All the stuff we talked about in the last episode. Now there's a lot of confirmation or a lot of apparent confirmation that we're going down this road in the credit sequence, people noticed. Um, so Bohemian Grove is named so because it's out, you know, it's it's in California and it's surrounded by these these redwoods, these giant sequoias and whatnot. OK. Uh, which also ties into this vision that Ray had of his father because he yeah. Ray, he utters this prophecy that, uh, you know, you're you're going to run out of these giant trees and you're going to get shot and you're just pieces. Yeah. So then if you look at the credit sequence of true detectives, I'm directing your attention to, there's a lot of prominent images of very tall redwood looking trees. Mm -hmm. There's also one of a dirt road going down, um, a kind of a dark path surrounded by these redwoods. And then someone found on Google image, or Google Maps with the the Google image, uh, the street view, they actually posted the lane that leads to the real-life Bohemian Grove facility. And if you compare the sequence um, where it says written by Nick Pizzolatto, that that kind of dark sequence of the grove of trees with the dirt road to the real-life Bohemian Grove, it's pretty dead on. Yeah, they look really similar. So... I feel like that there's, you know, between Ray's father's speech about these giant trees and whatnot and the credit sequence that we are pretty right on about this bo- Bohemian Grove stuff. Also, the Bush family, uh, Bush Sr. down to Bush Jr., all Bohemian Grove members. Okay. Bill Clinton was accused of being a uh, Grover.
0: And I mean, the, the reason you're you're pointing that out is because of the pictures in this episode. Well, that's why right? I was going through that, yeah. that.
1: That Bill Clinton was famously – well, I don't know how famously, but he was accused by a conspiracy guy of being uh, a Grover, which he denied, and he made kind of mm-hmm. a joke about it. Now, listen to me. I'm talking Grover. I, I'm sounding like one of those conspiracy kooks myself. <laughs> um, that's That's – I kind of feel like that by the end of this season that we might be like Art Bell coast to coast where we're just talking about yeah. vapor trails and contrails and uh, men in black and all this stuff. So I think that there's a lot of allusions to the rich and powerful and all this stuff. You know, also the the, the male prostitute talking about, you know, these big parties with Euro high high class girls being rented and all this stuff. Uh, the mayor's son throwing these weird non-specific parties he was referred to as a monster before the mayor talking about this deep trip stuff someone pointed out on reddit that that might be a connection to annie's father's hippie cult okay the way he's talking is like someone that maybe was a disciple of that movement long ago would be talking sure like deep trip in capital letters
0: yeah i mean the the things he says about it are he's talking from experience there yeah, you know, back in my day, it used to be whatever, whatever. Now it's look at my son. He's all fucked up on it.
1: Yeah. And you talk. Yeah, I think there's um, some similarities there with the the again, Pineapple Polynesian Institute. Yeah. What do you think of another tie between season one and season two? Errol, the main villain behind season one, True Detective, famously switched accents to suit <laughs> what he was doing at the time. Mm-hmm. The mayor's son talked about how he intentionally switches accents to be appropriate for the set and setting and plays with that idea. Are we? Is that Nick Pizzolatto winking at us? Is that a reference to the first
0: season? Mm. Is that just something, uh, an archetype that he likes to play with? Are you going after the idea that maybe the son is mixed up in this, whereas... Oh, I think his son is definitely mixed up with it somehow. Whereas the mayor himself is not. Like he's mixed uh, up in the catalyst stuff. The and pineapple
1: the- doesn't fall far from the institute.
0: Yeah, yeah. I would say. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so you think he's involved in the sex stuff as well?
1: I, I mean, I, 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 it's, it's too soon to say. I like things like I think, but definitely, it seems that signs are pointing to when the mayor himself is this far into it, and he's mm. talking about his son being a mon, him seeing him as a monster. It's easy to see, like, you know, Earl and William, what was his name? Um, uh, Tuttle? No, Bill Childress Sr. Like him saying that about Uh, Earl uh, before he gets strapped to the bed frame. Yeah, could be. (laughs) But on the other hand, like, is it something that we think is in Nick P's envelope to be that on the nose about a comparison between season one and season two? I mean, I really don't know.
0: I mean, right. This is the first thing I've ever seen. Two prominent villainous characters a lot of that do. switch accents based on like social chameleon type of stuff. There's I a connection to be drawn. But what does it say? I don't know.
1: Um, There's a couple of mask observations that I think would be a lot cooler had it not been that the show explicitly links the film operation with the Cadillac already. Yeah, yeah. Because if you look at the killer, uh, or I don't know if he's the killer. I'm assuming he'd have to be the killer.
0: The guy who is being chased by Annie and Ray. He
1: torched a Lincoln. He's Uh wearing this very stylized mask. And then I'm going to include another image of the film set where you see someone wearing a mask that's similar. It's not exactly the same, but it's similar. And if you're buying this kind of Mad Max road warrior type film, I would see like, I I would buy that mask coming from that set. But Hmm. again, that'd be a lot cooler if they didn't explicitly say, Oh, by the way, this car (laughs) was attached to the film production. So this is just another thing linking those things together. Mm -hmm. And also we, we know that the guy that drove the car is probably not in on this. He's just an innocent guy that got his car jacked. So, so yeah. I don't know how much there there is here, but it's it's clearly a connection visually and it's kind of cool. So it's it seems like it belongs in the psychosphere.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: That's about it. Like I said, I'm I'm gonna post the 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 comment thread on Reddit that talks about the Dutrox affair and how this could be a possible way to link the two seasons of True Detective and also some of the details mm-hmm. could be you know some of the broad plot plot points from season two um
0: yeah i haven't read that one yet so yeah I'm looking forward to checking that out we're
1: recording this a day early because to on my vacation schedule so i didn't have time to quite get all that you know one of the you know the, the big reasons we're delayed on this podcast are number one it takes a much longer time to put together the psychosphere stuff. It takes long, longer yeah. to develop. It takes time to read and digest that stuff and to be able to talk about it. And number two, um, you know, the editing, picking out the music and all that stuff. It, it's it's not either or. Like if we did a traditional Tuesday podcast, the psychosphere wouldn't be as good, and certainly the yeah, uh, yeah. editing wouldn't be as interesting. So I guess the
0: thing we'd be talking about all this psychosphere stuff that we talk about in the next week's podcast and it becomes, it might, it might even be missed opportunities. Yeah. It could be, it could be rendered null and void. It could be that it's just not relevant anymore or whatever. Because it
1: does, um, I feel like the people are kind of jonesing. Like uh, I get, they are. I get emails. Like so, so you got you got any more than
0: the no podcast. <laughs> yeah, they're they're yeah. scratching themselves. Yeah, they're, you
1: don't got any more than podcast. They're digging holes. They, their, in their lips front yard. are like white and chapped. It's 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 yeah. pretty bad. But uh, we would uh, we're cranking them out as fast as we can at the quality, both in content and production. Yeah, that you don't want to cut do. product.
0: You, I don't, you think, don't. You don't want the no. stepped on podcast. No, I mean, yeah, it'll cost you less, and you'll get it. Faster, but high won't last as long. No, of
1: course not. <laughs> uh, but yeah, this felt like a kind of a bridge episode. It developed develop more of these psychosphere, uh, aspects. Maybe next week, you know, episode four last ep- ep- uh, season was arguably the highlight.
0: Yeah, yeah, that long, uh, episode four and five scene. were
1: like the peak of the mountain, and then you had uh, the three episode kind of denouement. But uh, yeah,
0: this episode kept the ball rolling, uh, on the plot. That's that's good. You know, Mm -hmm. I feel like we're we're getting a lot of leads. They aren't necessarily leading anywhere specific yet, but they're getting there. Also. So we had a new director. He's some uh, he's a Dutch guy, I believe. Uh, I Hmm.
1: forgot his name. I actually feel like this episode was a lot more visually interesting. And I'm not just talking about the Conway Twitty. I actually kind of retroactively am unimpressed with what Justin Lin did with the first two episodes.
0: Hmm. Okay. I didn't really notice anything flashier this time. I mean,
1: maybe it was trying to ape the Fukunaga style of the the sweeping flyovers of recognizable terrain to kind of ground you in a particular feeling where I know a lot. We still had the highway flyovers and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah.
0: Justin Lin did some of that stuff. No, I, I mean, I, I but
1: that's about the only thing yeah. I can really think of, whereas there was a lot of I don't know, it's more. It seemed like it's a little bit more interesting a little bit more hmm. um, a, a premium feel that um, I felt like I was getting, you know, B, B, C plus directing in the first two, and this was like you know kind of B plus A minus. Hmm. Felt a little bit more rich. I, I you know I, I lacked the vocabulary to to actually say what I'm trying to, sure. to say here, but that was the feeling. On
0: well, you should ask Nick Pizzolatto for that vocabulary. He knows it. <laughs> Guarantee he knows it layers of time you can't, you can't
1: divide Bald Move depends on your support to create our independent our podcast too. Find out how you can help out and get lots of great perks such as ad-free podcasts live video feeds and other exclusive bonus content at club.baldmoves.com I live the
0: life I live
1: by If you'd like to send in your feedback, you can do so by emailing it to truedetective at baldmove.com. You can find all of our content at baldmove.com and participate in our discussion forums. Keep up with our latest release schedules by liking us on Facebook or following us on Twitter. i live among you, well disguised.